We welcome you back to the second episode of the Rugby Paper Podcast. Wins for Ireland, Scotland and France take us through to week two, in which we will be previewing Italy versus England, Wales versus Scotland and the potentially title deciding France versus Ireland. Stay tuned and enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us. Brendan Gallagher, Nick Kane, our panellists back with me. And today, a very special guest, Harlequins and Italy fly half Tommy Allen. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. We won't dwell on last weekend too much, but just a brief note on it. For me, it sort of outlines some very clear tiers in the championship with Ireland and France as the two front runners. Scotland sort of a level above Wales and England in the table, certainly. And then Wales and England to battle it out for fourth and fifth. Brendan, Nick, do you agree with that? Broadly, although just one word of warning, Wales at home are a different team always and they've got three home matches. So although I'm actually going to tip, I have tipped Scotland to win this this weekend, I don't think Wales are, are in free fall yet. It was a bad defeat, but they, there's potential to bounce back from that one. Yeah, the media loves to throw around the term crisis or turmoil, hyperbolic terms that overrepresent the problems in teams. That's only been the case with England and Wales in the past week or so. Do you think that's the case I would like to think that it's not I don't think it's a crisis but I do think that uh, where England are concerned it's uh, very uh, it's a serious uh, juncture for them very much so at the time of recording we don't have the England team yet we've got the England squad so we know that there's going to be no Manu Tuolangi who did return against Harlequins at the weekend no Mark Atkinson so the midfield will either look like Slade and Daly or Slade and Marchant most likely what changes would you guys like to see I think Eddie would actually dig his heels in and he'd go with pretty much the same team and, and sort of, you know, the, the unwritten message is, you know, we should have won that match anyway, is kind of what he's been saying. And who comes in at six to replace Ludlam then? Do you bring Don Brent and Simmons and try and juggle them both as they tried to do for the last 20 minutes or so on um, Saturday? You can do that, but you'd have Don Brent surely at number eight. Alex Don Brent is a number eight. Simmons is got the capability of playing well at six. Alex Dombrat is an absolute specialist number eight. What I do feel is, is that England have got a, a sort of glut of back row resources, and yet he finds himself struggling a little bit for a six, uh, for a blind side. I do think that Dombrant has to start at, at eight this time. Simmons got the start against uh, Scotland, and it's time that he got a serious amount of game time under his belt, because it's the only way that Jones will really be able to assess it. I think that you could put Simmons at six against Italy. You could play, you know, left and right with uh, w- with Curry. You know, the thing that I'm very disappointed about is that he hasn't seen this as being the right opportunity to give Atkinson a run. England have got a problem position and it's at 12. This is a great opportunity to pick a player like Atkinson and see whether he can do that offloading job and make the sort of in, in, incisions that he does for Gloucester for England. I cannot understand why he's not in there. Yeah, I've got to agree. Another name that's not Mark Atkinson is obviously Manu Tuolangi. Tommy, you were fortunate or unfortunate enough to be opposite Manu Tuolangi last weekend. How was he looking? Yeah, he was, he was looking lean. He was in really <laughs> good shape. Uh, when, he came, when he came on smiling uh, after 60-odd minutes we'd been playing, I was just a bit like, yeah, okay. He's gonna he's gonna bring in a bit of impact, and you can see that the sale boys literally like they all all their eyes lit up when they saw him come on the field. So he does he has a big massive X factor, and whenever whenever a team plays against him, you're always gonna have have an eye on him, and he, he can he can carry, he can pass, he can do everything. So yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird call, I reckon that he is a big ball carrier. I think that's what England needs as well. But yeah, I'm I'm sure Italy will be will be happy not to see him in the in the squad. 
non Six Nations related question, but obviously one of his first contributions was absolutely ruining Andre Esterhazen, one of, if not the biggest ball carrying back in the Premiership. How is Andre after taking that hit? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to lie. He did get a bit of a hospital pass from, uh, from Archie White. So I think he was more upset at Archie than actually at Manu. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't happen often that you see Drake get melted from from another player. He usually gets gets a good game line for us, but yeah, he was he wasn't unbalanced. It's not it's not fair on him to be fair. But yeah, that's a big clash with the Titans there. And I actually got hit from Manu as well a couple of minutes later. I think he held back a little bit, uh, which is good. Um, so I'm I'm still here to, to speak to you guys because he didn't actually fully smash me. In which case, we owe Manu a thank you, don't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be great if he'd outed our our special guest for Thursday. I would have been yeah. phoning him up straight away. Okay, just a quick note on Italy's Sunday performance against France. In the first half, they really did take it to them. Did what you saw on Sunday provide enough evidence of the fact that Italy could potentially have a tournament that is their best in several years? There's definitely been a a massive improvement from uh, last Six Nations. We, I think we got given a record number of points against. Um, so the defence definitely has has improved. Yeah, we managed to score one try. It was a bit a bit frustrating that we couldn't convert more chances. We had, we had a few few balls in the 22 uh, that we, we just couldn't convert like around 50 minutes into the game. I think that's the, the worrying thing is just being able to maintain the pressure against, against teams and, and actually scoring points because as it is, yeah, teams do tend to score more than 20 points at least against us. So we need to find a way to, to score a little bit more. But it, it is a lot a lot more promising than last year, uh, for sure. And I'm sure the boys will, will gel a lot more in the coming weeks. Uh, it's not the easiest first two games, France and England. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be tough, but I'm sure they'll, they'll progress. And then they've got, they've got some good games to, to eye up as well for the remaining of the Six Nations. Yeah, I think there's a slightly different outlook to Italy, which we will get to in a second. I'd like to talk about this weekend's fixtures, but very, very quickly. The rugby paper is doing a predictions league, which was started last week with myself, Brendan Gallagher, Nick Kane, our resident journalist, and then the rugby paper's own Jerry Guscott. After week one, it is yours truly, Oliver Little, in the lead with 18 points with two perfect scores. Brendan, you got 17 with three correct results. Nick, you got 15. And then Gus Scott has left you, Tommy Allen, as our next special guest with a bit of work to do on 13 points. So we'll see how it goes this weekend. All right, let's talk a little bit about England, Italy now. We've mentioned the back row already. I'd like to touch upon it very briefly again. Do we see anyone else coming in that isn't Alex Dombrandt? Nick? The only way that he can do it is to, as Brendan said, is to pair either Itoji with, with Ewells at lock and either Ezequi or Itoji, if Ewells is bought in, can go to six. That doesn't seem like a good uh, solution to me. I'd love to see Dombrand get the chance to play and do what he does for Harlequins with uh, Marcus Smith. That understanding that they have, we've seen nothing of at all. You know, and he's had plenty of time to do something about it. I mean, you know, second guessing him in terms of selection is always a uh, a very uh, dodgy business. It's almost Eddie Roulette, isn't it? And Sam Simmons scored two tries the last time he started against Italy. And I do wonder whether he's going to go down that same route again. I think the bigger questions, and we've already touched upon 12, are in the back line. And one of my biggest issues with England on Saturday was that Ben Young's got a full 80 minutes. Around 55 minutes, I found myself screaming at the television saying, bring Young's on, off, sorry, bring Harry Randall on, give him at least 10 minutes to feed off Smith's pace, Smith's energy, and the two could maybe complement each other and make something happen. That didn't happen. Young's pass was slow. 
His service, in general, in my opinion, is the slowest in the tournament. I don't think you would get Harry Randall or Rafi Quirk starting this weekend, but you've got to at least give them 20, 30 minutes of game time. Brendan, do you agree? I can't disagree with that. And, and it's it's so difficult reading, Eddie, isn't it? Like, I could not believe he took Marcus Smith off. I immediately started throwing stuff at the TV. It just didn't make any sense. And yet, at the same time, and I'm not a huge fan of this finisher's concept. If you're playing well, you stay on. Marcus Smith is the best finisher in English rugby. That's what he does when Quinn's won the championship last year. He, even if he's having an okay game, an average game, he finishes games. So I could not get that at all. But equally, yes, you do have tactical substitutions. And although... Youngs was was okay in the first half. He was just losing momentum, fifty five minutes, and that he wouldn't have argued with bringing on Harry Randall then at all. So I don't get Eddie's rationale when it comes to second half replacements. My feeling strongly is is that if Randall is going to be a or Quirk are going to be contenders at this coming World Cup, they've got to start games now and a game in Rome is, okay, England have had a bad start to this tournament for the third year on the trot, but a game in Rome is an opportunity to give a player like Harry Randall that opportunity to start a Six Nations game. So I would start him. I thought that Ben Young's produced uh, one very fine moment where he combined with Smith for the try, took the right options, and the timing of the pass was spot on. But a lot of the rest of his game wasn't uh, wasn't where it needs to be. And his box kicking, he's always giving the chase, an, or not always, but very often giving the chase no chance at all. They're too deep. I think if you're keeping Ben Youngs in the team at this point, you are saying, OK, you're going to be the starter at the World Cup. You know, 112 caps in, don't get me wrong, his experience will be invaluable at the World Cup. But I think he's he's lost that ability to change a game um, yeah. that he ha- did, for example, a couple of, a few years ago uh, against South Africa. Look, we'll see about that. I think the back line outside of 10 is lacking some X factor, not only in the centres, but on the wing. Adam Radwan has been included in the match squad this time around. I think he or Jack Knoll have to come in. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Certainly Radwan would be Six Nations debut down in Rome. That just feels right. He could really shine on that one. Italy produced a wing that I frankly hadn't heard of last week. And didn't he do well? Uh, Monticello, Monticello on the wing. Why not? Why not throw this wing in, uh, Radwan? He's exciting. He's got something. Let's have a look. Going back to Eddie there, Jack now, there he is on the touchline in the 80th minute. Poised to come on. What's all that about? If you're going to use Jack now, use Jack now. Don't bring him on with 30 seconds to go. England have too many utilities, in particular on the wing. Radwan should get the opportunity and Tommy Menoncello has got a, uh, a, a career as a tightrope walker whenever he wants one. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I feel that you've got to give these guys a chance to show what they can do. I, I'd also like to see Jack playing. You know, I mean, they're both, they're both wingers. So uh, yeah. get them on the field. Completely agree. I think given the likely selections, Italy will smell blood, especially as England are going to Rome with confidence low. On the flip side, I think Italian confidence after last weekend will be quite high. There is talk of a new Italy, just as there's talk of a new England. Tommy, has that term or phrase been thrown around at training camps in the past year or so? Yeah, 100%. Uh, It's it's a very young team, so I think uh, we're still trying to find uh, our own identity, our own DNA. And just, you're not going to get the results straight away, but I think there's a lot of confidence in, in these youngsters coming in. Even in, the, in this under-20 side, now there's a few good players. So you know that 
for the future, you've got you've got some uh, some decent players coming through. It's just a way of of gelling the whole team together and finding your own identity and, and trying to get go forward with that. But I think yeah, for for the next five or six years, we if if the boys keep improving, uh, it'll be a competitive Italy side for sure. Did you manage to watch after the Quinns game on Sunday? Did you watch live or have you watched the replays? Yeah, I, I, I watched the second half. Uh, I got hurt just literally how the second half started. Uh, so I missed I missed the, the first try. And, and yeah, the, the first half, which seemed to be very competitive. And then after that, it kind of seemed to slip away a little bit. I watched I watched it again afterwards. And yeah, the boys were, were up for it. Uh, the defence was, like I said before, was was a lot more intense. The boys made their tackles and stuff, which which is good. Uh, it's just a question, as you, as it's always been, I, as everybody says, it's, can you maintain that for, for the 80 minutes? Defence was more assured, but what also struck me is that structurally, I think that's up there with the most secure performances I've seen Italy produce. What about the attack has changed under Kieran Crowley? Do you think that's going to be a key driving force in really taking it to England? Yeah, 100%. I think last year, yeah, last year and the year before under Franco Smith, there was a it was trying to like attack from everywhere on the field. In, in international level, it, it's quite tough to do. You need to be a lot more structured. You need to play in the opposition half. Uh, and it's something that I think we try to, yeah, we try to play a lot more and it kind of yeah, left us for dead after a little bit. Um, so, and it was, yeah, obviously we, we want to play for 80 minutes. If you play, if you're attacking from anywhere in the field, you're going to be pretty knackered after after 50. So I think Kieran's brought a lot more structure in, especially in the exits and, and all that sort of stuff, which is good. Something he did at Treviso with us as well. And yeah, it seemed like the boys were, were putting it out there uh, the weekend. It's just maybe trying to sort out that discipline a little bit more. Don't give any teams easy outs, which is what happened again against the French. Tommy, can I ask you about Federico Ruzza, who's a, a yeah. player who's intrigued me uh, for four or five years. It looks a terrific athlete, uh, almost like a sort of basketball player type athlete. He's <laughs> six six, but only one hundred and five kg. Italy keep playing him in the second row. Yeah, he looks like a number eight to me. He could be an absolutely outstanding number eight. Now, obviously, while Sergio was there, that wasn't going to happen. Is it time to, to be thinking of a switch there? Because I think Italy have got a major talent up front there that they're not getting the best out of at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. Like he, he could play in the back row for sure. He's, he's very agile. He's a good, good ball carrier. He's got good feet. And yeah, I, I think Italy could look at him in the back row in the future. At the moment, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of uh, competition in the back row, even without Sergio being there. You've, you've got even now Halafihi, who's at his debut last weekend, who's a great player. Yeah. I was um, I, I was very impressed by the uh, the new uh, skipper, the new captain, uh, Michel Lamaro. Yeah, I thought the energy that he brought to the game, but also the cool head that he he showed when he was talking afterwards, could be the beginning of a new chapter for Italy in some ways. One of, if not the most interesting, if you look at the head to head battles, one of the most intriguing ones is. Smith opposite Paolo Garbisi. You've got a 21-year-old fly half and a 22-year-old fly half. Tommy, we're very lucky to have you on today because you play with both of them. So what parallels and what differences can you draw between them? And how do you see that head-to-head playing out? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be very, very interesting to watch for sure. Um, I think both tens attack the line very well. I think what uh, Smithy has is he's more of a heads-up player kind of player. So you'll just play, you just play what he sees in front of him. Paolo's a little bit more structured in, in what he does. But yeah, pa- Paolo's a pretty, he's a big boy. Like he's probably like 93, 94 kilos. So he, do, he does bring a lot of threat in his attack. Uh, whereas, yeah, Smithy's a bit more like, elusive with his feet. But his kicking game is unbelievable as well at the same time. So 
probably yeah, say Smithy's got a bit more experience than than Paolo does, but Paolo's been playing well in Montpellier as well, so he's got a lot more experience than than last season. So I'm sure it's going to be a, a very good battle, but it's all it, it all develops on how the forwards play really. So whoever gets the most front foot ball is going to is going to be the better player. So if, obviously, if England get the front foot ball, uh, Smithy's one of the best in the world of, of playing. With that, we'll see how it is. It will be good because I've played with both of them. They've both been really, like, really good friends of mine. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be cheering for both for sure. You've got over half a decade with the Italian national team now. When someone like Garbisi comes in as a raw young talent, what is the role of someone like you in camp? Who is, you know, on one hand you're competing for places, on the other hand, you know, he's seven years younger than you. He's coming in to this new environment. How do you approach a situation like that when you're in camp? I'll just say oh, competition is key, obviously, in, in becoming a better player. So try and help him as much as possible. Uh, obviously, I'm competing to to be the starting fan as well there. But then once once a team comes up and you know what your role is, then you just you get you get on with it and you try and help the, the other player as much as possible with in this game understanding and, and things he can do during a game. And there'll be vice versa, obviously, if if I was starting. So it's for the benefit of the team. Um, and that's yeah, that's the main thing. We need to move on to other fixtures, but very, very quickly. Uh, Predictions-wise for this week, the only topic of note is, Tommy, you've chosen not to back your boys, and you're going 35-10 to England. Was that a difficult prediction to submit? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'm ju- I just think that England are going to bounce back after after what happened against Scotland. Obviously, depending on how the weather is as well this weekend, I think they've got some... If it's dry weather, they're, they're going to be very, very dangerous. Hopefully, Thomas starts as well. Um, He's he's a great player. I've played with a few of these players now, so I know I know actually the ins and outs of, of these guys and their threat that they, they can actually pose to other teams. And yeah, obviously I hope I hope Italy can can do well. Out of all the fixtures, I think it was one of the toughest ones, especially after the French game. I know there'll be a lot of sore bodies. We're going through the fixtures in sort of reverse chronological order this time around. Wales versus Scotland now, and what's interesting with the predictions is that all four of us have got Scotland to win. The Wales team has been announced. Ross Moriarty has come in at number eight, Jack Morgan at six. Brendan, is that pack looking a little bit more physical to you now, especially with Moriarty coming in at eight? Jonathan Humphrey has said that that was what was lacking against Ireland. It it does. And I would emphasise again, the home advantage for Wales, 74,000 at Millennium Stadium. I think we'll see a different Wales. We'll see a more physical Wales. And we'll see a Scotland... Not used to being favourites, travelling down to the Millennium. All four of us are tipping them, but it's going to be a different dynamic. And I'm interested that they've made five changes for this match from a win inside. Only one of those injury in force. I think they are aware that this is a really, really tricky fixture. And if Wales suddenly get hot, get inspired, they, they could look a very different team to, to what would have been seven days ago. So this one's going to be close. I think I had it down as a one-point win, didn't I? I think, And I made that prediction a while back. I, I wouldn't go back on that. This is going to be a real nail-biter, and I'm expecting a much better Wales performance. The one sort of redeeming factor from Saturday for Wales was the performance of Tane Basham. 15 carries, 22 tackles. Nick, do you have him earmarked as a potential future Wales captain? And if not, is he currently the first name on the team sheet? He'd certainly be one of the first names on the team sheet. I guess I guess Biggers is probably the first name on the team sheet at the moment. But um, I, I think that Wales have got a physical pack. I think uh, one of the problems is, is that they're, they're, they're not as joined up as they have been. And I think that Moriarty will bring 
that sort of glue, he'll bring that sort of tenacity and he'll bring that experience. And I think that that's what they need. Basham is still in the foothills, very talented though he is. And I think that uh, they need more out of their their two locks in this game. I think that they're both very good players, but I don't think that they really produced uh, their top game against Ireland. And I think that they need to against the Scots. So, yeah, I think that you'll there'll be an improved performance from Wales. The crowd will lift them as they always do, and uh, I think that the Scots will be in in for a fight. But I think that uh, they've got enough depth now, something that Scotland haven't had before. You look at the guys that they've brought in, and you look at this interchangeable front row. <laughs> they've got they've got their own version of the bomb squad now. I think this interchangeable front row that closed out. You know, the two uh, South African Scots who closed out the game uh, against England. I I disagreed with all the stuff about England, um, you know, deserving a penalty in those instances. The referees apparently have got a very clear, there's a very clear directive. And that is, is that the scrum has got to go forward on both sides. If it doesn't, if it wheels, you're not going to get anything unless there's another technical infringement or whatever else. So going back to uh, Scotland, France, I think Scotland have got that depth this time. Tommy, I'm going to pick your brains again as a fly half. Russell opposite bigger is, you could say, a little bit of yin and yang situation. Uh, Back on the Lions tour, bigger in, in the first two tests made something like five passes i can't remember the exact figure russell exceeded that within 10 minutes of coming on in his in the final test what do you see being the key driving force in the matchup between the two of them on saturday yeah i think it's just about taking your chances i know finn finn is a, is a really brave brave player and especially against the welsh defense that kind of uh, flies out quite a lot is just being able to to pick your moments and and then putting defenders on the line um, and that's what he seems to do very well so I think if Finn starts well and he, and he manages to to get front football and then just pick, pick, his, pick his moments pick his holes he, he could actually run run right against the, the Welsh defence um, and then obviously if, if the, I think if the score starts going away from the Welsh there'll be a lot of doubt especially after last weekend I, uh, I think Finn is obviously one of the best best tens in the world at the moment and he showed last week and what he can do with, with not even that many opportunities so the, the more ball he gets the better it is for for scotland and uh i, I really do think he yeah he can he can make it a a good weekend for the scots this any scotland fan will definitely be praying for a clear day in wales is it can you can you close is the roof closed or not can you not no, do that with the, they said it's going to be open i think in the yeah. moment um we open for health and safety coronavirus yeah yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. open yeah um, one player yeah. I want to talk about, obviously, you've got Sione Tuipilotu coming in uh, at 12 instead of Sam Johnson. One player I want to talk about is actually a non-starter, who's Cameron Redpath, who made waves for his performance against England in the Six Nations last year. And due to various injuries, hasn't been able to take the stage for Scotland again. Tommy, do you see Redpath featuring as a starter later on in this Six Nations tournament? Yeah, he could. He could try. You could. You could try put him in um, in one of the games, uh, probably at, at twelve, um, depending on what kind of game you want to play. He's more of a a ball player than a ball carrier. Uh, I think Tupelotu is a bit more of a game line kind of player, a bit like Manu is. It just depends on the, on the game plan you want. You want to play. If you want to move the ball around a lot more, then I think yeah, he could be a great addition to link up with Finn and then have a double playmaker. Um, that's that's always dangerous if you want to move the ball around. Tommy, when you played your age group rugby for Scotland, was yeah. are you a contemporary of Finn? Was Finn Russell on the 
on the scene. Who, who were the, of this current Scotland team? Johnny Gray was there. Uh, Ali Price, Finn was there. And Finn uh, is a uh, contemporary. Yeah, so he was he's a year older than me, uh, but I was he was we did one under twenties together. And uh, this is tens or ten and twelve. Yeah, 10, yeah. 10 and twelve. Yeah, ten and twelve. We switched around a little bit, and then I think there was another guy called Harry Leonard. He was at ten a little bit. And was he the same player then as he is now? Has he changed much? Um, No, he's always been like that. He's always uh, been very confident in the way he plays. Just go, he just goes for it, uh, which is which is great, great to see. And it's it's nice to see that he he took that into the professional game as well. Uh, Not just yeah, not maybe just hide hide behind behind the shell. Once you get into the the big stages, he just he's still the same player. So yeah, he's he's been doing very well, and he's been doing that for years now. Right, a break in Six Nations talk as we get to the part of the show that is Tommy Allen's Random Rugby 15. Tommy, it's 15 questions for you. You can say as much or as little as you want. Jeremy Guscott certainly opted for the former last week. And yeah, when you're ready, uh, we can get going. I'm, I'm ready. Nickname? Tommy or Talon as well. Best yeah. rugby memory? Uh, obviously the first cap for Italy and then also beating Scotland and Murrayfield in the Six Nations. Most embarrassing rugby memory. Yeah, I thought about that for a bit. Uh, that was like age group level. It was a really muddy game. And first kickoff, I go to restart and the ball just gets stuck in the mud and I just swing, miss completely. And it was, it was, it was really embarrassing. Uh, the whole crowd started cheering. And then luckily, I just managed to go again for, for, the, for the restart. There was no scrum or anything. Did you stay on your feet when you missed or did you fall over? Yeah, I, I did stay on my feet, but okay. I literally just a hit and a miss. It was, it was pretty, yeah. Good thing I didn't pull a hammy or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say that's decent quad strength to be able to keep yourself yeah. up. Well done. Yeah. Uh, pre-game tune. Thrift Shop by Macklemore or Dior? Dior from Pop Smoke. Post-game meal. Nice juicy burger and some chicken wings. Yeah. Best player you've played against? Probably Manu. Best player you've played with? Cheslin, Colby. Favourite player right now? Uh, probably Cheslin, Colby again, again, really. Rugby idol? Probably a cliche, but Johnny, Johnny Wilkinson and Carlos Spencer as well. Favourite stadium? It's a close one between Murrayfield, no, sorry, the Millennium, Millennium and Twickenham. But I think Millennium with a closed roof will have to top that. Favourite gym exercise? Uh, bench press. Occupation if rugby didn't exist? I've always loved basketball, uh, but I'm a bit too short for that. But still, I'll just go, I'll, I'll probably go for it. <laughs> basketball. Superstitions. Uh, I always have to sit on the left side of the bus going to a game. And then I always have to put my left shoe on before my right shoe. Rugby rule you would change? Scrums. Just scrums. don't have scrums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is that a rule? Yeah, a scrum's a rule. Just no scrums. <laughs> no it's scrums. a revolution. <laughs> You could play prop if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> Best thing about working in rugby? Uh, just the travel, traveling. I uh, get to see so many players, especially playing international. You just get to see so many new countries and stuff. And it's just amazing. Fantastic. We'll get back to the rugby now. And I've saved sort of the biggest game for last because it seems weird saying this, but already there's talk of championship decider in week two. Do we agree with that? Do we think the winner of France versus Ireland will go on to win the Six Nations? 90% certain, I'd say. Nick? Yes, yeah, I do. I've, uh, I've, I've felt that right from the get-go. Their performances in the autumn uh, were a street ahead of, of, uh, of anybody else's. So, you know, as long as they 
they mirror that form. They both looked, uh, at times, they both looked a little bit clunky. I think that Ireland, you know, obviously beat Wales comfortably, but uh, but I don't think that they were as smooth as they sometimes uh, can be. And France definitely looked a bit clunky at times. Tommy, do you think this is a title decider as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, they both look very sharp last week. Obviously, yeah, with a few injuries now, it'll be a bit of a different game, but the French are a dangerous team and Ireland have, have just been, I think they're, they're kind of peaking at the moment as well. Uh, the way the club, clubs have been playing as well, Leinster especially, they've been playing so well and they've just, they're just dangerous from anywhere. They're so so well-driven and well-drilled well that they can score from anywhere and it's, it's going to be a great game to watch. Obviously, the big team news from an Irish perspective, no Johnny Sexton, which I don't know about you guys, whether you had any insights behind the scenes, that came as a shock to me. Seems it was a hamstring in training yesterday, that's what they're telling us. What, what a, an interesting thing to throw into the dynamic there. I mean, I had Ireland to win anyway. I'm sticking with Ireland, but the one injury, the one player that Ireland fans didn't want to see uh, missing was Johnny Sexton. It, it's not just that he's a terrific player, he's that talisman and people feel more confident with him in the team. But but also, what a test now, because if Ireland can win this without Johnny Sexton going forward, that is going to be... You know, I've always wondered why Ireland haven't made, made the step forwards they should have done, still never meet, reached the semi-final of a World Cup in, in, the, in the last 10, 15 years, when they've been a really good competitive side. Why is that? Well, you take one of the big players away, and they still get a win in Paris. You'd have to say that could be the thing that takes Ireland forward. So... This is all sorts of fantastic subplots to this game, and, and this is another one of them. He's he's so important to what they what they've done. He was so important to the to the win over Wales as well. You know, he was pulling the strings like a grandmaster, vintage stuff, defying age, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, the loss of him going into this game, and the fact that Carberry has had his own injury troubles, which has meant he's played very little over the last you know eighteen months or so. That's got to be a huge, huge dent in their prospects against a French team, which is, you know, which is fully fit and firing. Have you changed your, your what, what you thought who was going to win, Nick, as a result of that one single bit of team news? Uh, no, I haven't. I've got France to win before he went. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, dub, you know, it's sort of increased the odds on France winning significantly, I think, yeah. I would have put a bigger margin in, in France's favour. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, there are other things that strike me about it. The, uh, the Irish pack... You know their front row is 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 outstanding, no question. But so is France's, and I think France's is a little bit deeper. I look at the uh, the, the the just the firepower that the two teams have got. You look at at Ryan and Byrne in the second row. Now they're they're really what you'd call cruiserweights. And then you look at Willemsa and the other giant that they bring on Taufi Fenua. They're a grinder, or they can be a grinder, and they can also play it the other way. I just feel. Uh, you, you could see as they came in, Sean Edwards said in the game against uh, Italy that they sort of played their way into this into the Six Nations. They started slowly and then gradually, by the time they, it got to the second half, they were looking increasingly uh, ominous in terms of, um, of that clout. Just returning to the subject of Johnny Sexton, Philippe Saint-André has actually said that Ireland were better off without Sexton. A dubious claim as it is, do we think 
that it may indeed be a slight blessing in disguise that Sexton has been forced out of this game. We've spoken about Ben Young's, you know, having been the mainstay at nine for so long. As a result, Harry Rand or Rafi Quirk are quite cold on the international scene. Is this a chance for someone like Joey Carberry to step forward in a big, big game, which he hasn't done too many times before, and actually take it by the scruff of the neck in time for the World Cup? for which Sexton, you know, hopefully he makes it. He'll be nearly 38 by the time the World Cup comes around. So there's there's no saying whether he actually does. Tommy, you're well-versed in this. You took the mature decision to sort of take a step back from this Six Nations. As a result, Garbisi has the chance to actually get that experience at the forefront in the thick of it. Yeah, I think it would be great experience for, for Joey to... Yeah, to get some game time, uh, it would be awesome for the for the Irish coaches as well to see if you can if you can perform under pressure under these circumstances against the French, who is obviously a, a great team. John, Johnny Sexton is so important for the for the Irish team, so they will miss them for sure. I don't think it's a blessing in disguise, as uh, something Andre said. The Irish Irish boys will miss them, but it's a great test for Joey Carberry, and, and I think if, if he does play well, he'll he'll be in, in a good, great contention for the World Cup. But obviously, I still think uh, Sexton will be the starter. But I think the coaches will have more confidence in playing uh, Carberry as well in the, in the future and after Sexton retires, obviously. One thing I'd point to, I think I'm right in saying, they've got five British and Irish Lions on the bench. Now, that is extraordinary firepower to have in the Six Nations. So I think Ireland can cope with just about everything. And the biggest challenge might be coping without, without Johnny. But I think this Ireland team can squeeze through. Predictions-wise, we were split down the middle, two and two. I was backing France, Nick was backing France. Tommy, you were backing Ireland since the team has been announced. You have changed your mind and you're backing yeah. France, am I correct? <laughs> yeah, after seeing, after seeing the, the Johnny news, I kind of uh, thought, okay, maybe the French have, have this under the belt now. But um, do you know what? I'll, I'll, just, I'll stick with Ireland. Yeah, I hope Carby has a good game and, and he can he can prove the doubt is wrong and okay and if france win i can just cut that bit out in the edit (laughs) exactly yeah all right sweet okay let's move on to the france team biggest news is Dante out with an ankle ankle injury and that is a blow because he provides some much needed heft in the midfield virimi vakatawa was in contention to come back in he hasn't come back in johan mofaina has come back in what do we think about that he's obviously less experienced than vakatawa but arguably more match fit it, it's very difficult to uh, to make these uh, the, these judgment calls. Having a player like Fiku in the centre alongside him is just a huge uh, bonus for any a, any other player. We haven't seen all that much of Mofana, and certainly Vakatawa, I know, has been back. Uh, I think he's played for Racing a couple of times, but he's obviously they don't consider he's up to uh, running speed. I, if if he was anywhere close to it, I think I'd always <laughs> I'd always take a gamble and play him. Yeah, no place for Vakatawa in the 23, actually. So I would presume that Galtier really just doesn't see him as ready. One other selection conundrum that Galtier had was whether to move Cameron Woki to the back row and make space for Bernard Leroux. He hasn't done that. Do we think that's the right call? Well, what a choice to have, though. I mean, fantastic players all. Woki, I think, is one of those guys who is genuinely as good a second row as he is at a six. I think he can absolutely interchange. Bernard LaRue, very tough boy, quite volatile. He had a big Six Nations a couple of years back when actually France weren't going particularly well. He sustained their forward effort. You need a disciplined, focused France team to take on Ireland. And Bernard LaRue might not be the man for that. So 
what a, what a choice to have. Tommy, you've, you've stuck to your guns. Make your case for Ireland to win. I think if uh, Ireland manages to, to keep the structure in the game, so not, not to play too loose uh, and play in the right areas of the field, they, they'll be able to put the French under pressure. They, they can play for 30-odd phases, as, as we've seen so many times. And then the French will get tired. They're, they're a very aggressive uh, defensive team. But if you hold the ball for, for a sustained number of phases, I think gaps will appear and then ill discipline will happen. And then I think they, they can take their chances. Yeah, and they've shown it against Wales as well. Like, whenever there's been a chance, they've taken it and they scored points. Obviously, having sex in there, but I think uh, the play, all the players, the experienced players that are around Carberry can help them out. And, uh, and as we said before, five lines, uh, boys on the bench coming on and bringing a big impact after 50, 60 minutes could be the decider for, for this weekend. Brendan, anything to add to that argument? No, very, very good summary. I hope it, I don't think it's the heart going with Ireland. I think they, they can win this for all sorts of logical reasons, but what a match this is going to be. Uh, and it's going to be a defining match for both set of players. You know, both these sides, whoever wins, the, the winners will kick on massively. I think that the, um, the, the issue of home advantage is something that is, uh, is, is always present. And I think that um, it, it'll be present again. I think that the, the other... Uh, factor is, is that France have blown chances in the last uh, two championships. And I, I don't think that they're going to uh, go easily into the night this time around in terms of, uh, of imploding. And I, I agree with Brendan that Bernard Leroux is probably uh, a bloke who you, um, who, who's a penalty, he's a penalty magnet. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that, with France, they've got that win um, in Paris the last time they had a game of this magnitude against the All Blacks. That memory will still be there. That confidence for those big game moments that there will inevitably be on Saturday is still there. And I just think with their backline, if they put it together, everyone's in trouble. They are capable of making something out of nothing and can really cause Ireland some problems should they get up some steam. Dupont, last week he wasn't quite at his best. It certainly would have done, done him a lot of good. And if he and Tamak and Ficou can unlock the running threat of Mofana Penaud Villiers, then I really think we could see not only a France win, but a high scoring game as well. It's quite nice having a little split, two versus two, and all will become clear on Saturday. It's certainly a weekend to look forward to. Tommy, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, it is, against Saracens. I will. Well, thanks for having me, guys, honestly. Tune in to the third episode of the Rugby Paper Podcast next Thursday, where in a rest week with no Six Nations games, we have a slightly different episode talking about the pressures on young players with special guest Harlequin's winger, Caden Murley. But before that, grab yourselves a drink and strap in for this weekend of rugby.